All right, so listen, uh, we're wrapping things up here. So I got, uh, this is uh, the ninth week we've been pushing through a summer, and I've really enjoyed teaching and preaching on the Ten Commandments. I hope that you all have learned something new. I've learned a whole lot this last week, and so thank you so much for being a part of this. Um, and so uh, this week, we're on number nine. Of course, we'll be wrapping up ten next week. And um, this one has to do with bearing false witness. And so, you know, um, I, you know, immediately when I started thinking about uh, this particular text this week, uh, number nine, I was thrown back to my childhood, and, um, and this actually, beginning of the show actually predates me. It goes back to the 1950s. And does anybody remember the show? Can you show that first slide? Truth or Consequences. Do you remember that? Matter of fact, we got another picture. Let's show this. So they, we have to do kind of zany things. Does anybody remember Truth or Consequences? Am I the only one to believe, barely remembers? Okay. So Truth or Consequences. And so if you all remember, you know, they would ask a question, and then if you got it wrong, and you had to do all these kind of zany things. And then, um, but what I also, you know, if you remember the, the tagline of that show at the very end, the host would say, and, and we hope all your consequences are happy ones. Now, what I remember about that is, um, as I relate to that, I just wanted you to know that most of my consequences in life have not been happy ones. I, it goes back to my childhood. And, and this is my own, my mother's here today. She can relate to this. Normally, I, when I knew I was in big trouble when I heard Harold Ray Hendren, you know, the first three words. And then the next six words were, wait till your father got, gets home. Does anybody remember that? Okay. So there were like nine words in my life that I dreaded. Harold Ray Hendren, wait till your father gets home. And, and so, you know, you normally when you think about consequences, they're not really positive. Matter of fact, I looked up the word definition for consequences and consequences, results or outcomes or upshots um, or, and then other consequences means penalties or costs, um, truth or consequences. And minute, we all can relate to the consequences of life. So I was thinking about, you know, we just have, I, matter of fact, last week I talked about the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat and about the winners and losers and the Christ that hangs in between. And we talked about, you know, you know, there's Jesus hanging on the cross and he's got two thieves, which means the word literally in the Greek tra- translation thieves is not just thieves. It was meant that the two people hanging with Jesus were really bad dudes. And even one at the very 11th hour, Jesus, he turned to Jesus and asked if he could be forgiven. Can I be with you in paradise? And Jesus said, yes, you will be with me in paradise. I love that. That means that there's hope for all of us, isn't it? Even the 11th hour, love that power. I just love Jesus. And so um, I was thinking about, the, um, about this idea about truth or consequences. And so um, we're wrapping up the, the Olympics this, this week, and, um, and, and we've done really well. The Americans have done, we have, actually, the Americans have won more medals than all the other countries, and um, they actually won a bunch of gold medals this last week, and I think the women won, the, the women's basketball team won last night, and the volleyball team won, and, and so we did some really good in some track and field, and so um, amazing, amazing athletes that we have. But, you know, out of all the things that happened this particular Olympics, and there's always some kind of something. When you have like the world coming together, there's always some kind of controversy, something. And so by far, um, the biggest story uh, coming out of this Olympics is actually this young woman and her name is Simone Biles. And, um, you know, she was, uh, was, well, she was like the face of American Olympics this year. I mean, if, if, if all that NBC, when they were doing commercials, uh, almost in every single commercial, they featured her because, well, she was like destined 
she was supposed to win at least five gold medals. You know, that's a lot of pressure. I mean, that's a lot of pressure. And of course, because she, she had done so well in, in the last Olympics, everybody just thought, well, you know what? She came back. She made the decision. She's going to commit four more years. And then it ended up being five years of training for her to do her thing. And her thing is better than anybody else in the world. She could do these twists that nobody else in the world could do. And she is just, and everybody knows that she's by far the greatest gymnast in the world. Until she got to the Olympics, and you all know the story is that, um, well, I learned a new word this last week. It's called twisties. <laughs> and twisties means um, your equilibrium gets all out of balance when you're doing all those flips that m your, your body wants to do it, but your mind won't allow you to do it. And so in the middle of, of the Olympics, um, the consequences for Simone Biles of getting the twisties was that she didn't win five gold medals. She won a silver medal and she won a bronze medal, but it's not five gold medals. Now, what I really admire, I think one of the, I think one of the greatest things I got out of the Olympics was about the truth. Because um, when they started asking Simone Biles, who's the face of America when it came to the Olympics this year, they asked her point blank when things went south, like basically, what's wrong? Is there, and I, I still remember watching the interview about a week and a half ago. The person that was interviewing her said, is there something physically wrong with you? And then she said in her interview in front of everybody, she says, no, it's not physical. It's mental. Man, I love that. Because she just told the truth. I mean, she could have, you know, made something up. Well, you know, it's a lingering injury and blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. She, she, I, I just think it took a lot of courage for her to stand in front of the world and say, listen, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to own this. And this is what's going on with me. I, this is what I've got. I, I, I don't, you know, basically I, she didn't really quite understand it. Why it was a terrible timing, but she just said, this is what's going on with me. And she just told the truth. Wow. Okay, so then let's just compare that to Rio. To what happened in Rio and the controversy in Rio. Do you remember the Rio controversy? Well, let me show you the next picture. Ryan Lochte. Actually, he called it Lochtegate. I don't know if you remember what happened with Ryan Lochte. He was one of the greatest Americans. I looked it up. I think he's got 12 Olympic medals. Six Six gold, three silver, and three bronze medals. And so what happened, you remember five years ago, is that Ryan went out with some three of his other buddies. They were swimmers, and he's one of the, one of the most gifted swimmers in the world. And uh, once again, he was, along with Michael Phelps, they were kind of the face of the Olympics in, in Rio. And so they had too much to drink, too much partying, and then they did some vandalism, evidently, and, but they didn't, well, they didn't own it. When it all came out... They said that they were actually held up at gunpoint and made up a story. In the midst of all that, they found out that it really wasn't a true story. It was just a fabricated story. And so he didn't tell the truth. And what's very interesting about that is um, there are consequences 
to not tell the truth. Um, the, the, the consequences for Ryan were um, that he, well, he couldn't swim for a year, so he was like banned for being an American swimmer. Um, he couldn't train in the U.S. Um, Olympic facilities. He was fined over $10,000, and he four, lost four of his biggest sponsors, who were probably worth millions and millions of dollars. All because he couldn't tell the truth. See, here's the reality, folks. It's truth or consequences in life. And so, you know what? I, I, as I was thinking about this this last week, why do we tell the truth? Well, first of all, I think it's because God tells us to tell the truth. We've actually find this in the layer of the ninth command, not bear false witness. Don't lie. Um, I think that's really, really important. So it's say, a second thing is I think it's it really important. So God wants us to tell the truth. It's the right thing to do, right? I think that's really important. Um, and then I also came to the conclusion is that when you put it in perspective, I think that the reason why we just tell the truth is because there are cameras everywhere, <laughs> right? We're going to catch one way or the other. But we're tempted at times not to tell the truth. Matter of fact, I, I found some great quotes on temptation this uh, last week. Few speed records are broken when people run from temptation. I like that. Trouble with, uh, the trouble with opportunity is that it only knocks. Temptation kicks the door in. Uh, Mark Twain said, to cease smoking is the easiest thing I ever did. I, I don't know because I've done it a thousand times. And Mark Twain also said, if you just tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything <laughs> to tell the truth. So we have this command today, the ninth command, do not tell, testify falsely against your neighbor. Uh, and the easy to read version, I love this one. You must not tell lies about other people. The ninth command, just don't tell lies about other people. You know, I, I thought of this week in my sermon prep, immediately in my sermon, when I started thinking about the ninth command, do not bear false witness, I immediately thought about my friend Ray Hinton. Matter of fact, Ray sat on the stage, I sat in the chair here, he sat over there, and you know, and back in 1985, Ray was uh, falsely accused of uh, murdering two men, he sat on death row for over 30 years. All because of one false testimony. Pretty amazing, isn't it? So, you know, I couldn't bring Ray here today, um, but I do have, I'm going to show you a little video I found this last week about Ray Hinton um, and his testimony. So it's about a minute here. Watch Ray Hinton. What would you do if they came for you? What would you do if you was arrested for a crime you didn't commit? What would you do if you passed a polygraph test but no one believe you. What would you do if you didn't have enough money to pay for a good lawyer? If the legal system saw you for the color of your skin, then for the facts of your case. If you had to spend your life in a cell the size of a bathroom, what would you do if you were sentenced to death? How would you survive? What would you do? Who would you become? And what would you do after 30 years you finally set free?
the sun does shine. What would you do? Powerful. Here's what I, I really love, because I, I spent the weekend with Ray, got to know him a little better. This is what I really came to appreciate about Ray Hinton. First of all, how much he really loved his mother. When she died, he was still in prison, and it really broke him that he couldn't be at his mother's funeral, because his mother never gave up on him. Uh, the second thing I really appreciate about Ray Hinton is his mental fortitude to be able to endure 30 years um, living in a cell that's the size of a bathroom and how mentally how he did that, knowing that he was not uh, guilty. Um, he, he talked about how he would take his imagination and how he would kept his sanity. It was he would go have um, brunch with the queen and have tea with her. Yeah. The third thing I appreciated about Ray Hinton was his willingness to forgive. And I never forget when he sat there and he started talking about forgiving the ones who put him in jail. He began to break down and cry. Wow. And the fourth thing I really appreciate about Ray Hinton is he always ate his dessert first. <laughs> Ray Hinton. He said, you know, Harold, that, you know, after not having dessert for 30 years, man, I want to make sure I get to that first. And he did. When I took him, we took him to dinner. He ate his dessert first. Wow. Amazing. You know, what's very interesting about that story is you think, okay, well, that's, you know, happened in contemporary marriage. It's a true story, right? He was right here. But did you realize that the same stuff is going on about bearing false witness? It, was, it goes back, actually, um, well, it goes back, it had to go back 3,500 years ago when God gave us the Ten Commandments because evidently children of Israel weren't, well, they were throwing each other in the bus. They weren't telling the truth about each other. So the reason why we have the Ninth Commandment is because evidently that was prevalent in that day. Still is today. 3,500 years later, still going on, right? Uh, let me tell you a story that goes back to 350 BC. It's in the Bible, New Testament, it's in 1 Kings. It's a story about Ahaz and Jezebel and a guy named Naboth. Um, once upon a time, you know, Ahaz was the king of uh, Israel and he was really not a very good king. He was a bad king. He was a bad dude. And Jezebel, well, she was right there with them. They were just evil people. And so, um, so once upon a time, Naboth, um, as the story goes, um, had a, uh, he had a vegetable garden and he had some land. And so the king wanted his land because he wanted it for a vineyard. And so, uh, so the king has went to him and said, hey, listen, I'd like to buy your land legally. Um, and so uh, Naboth says, well, you know, it's really not for sale and I really don't want to sell it to you, king, um, out of all, all due respect. Um, because it's been a part of my family for generation, for generation, for generation. And that seems to be reasonable. So I really don't want to sell you my land. And so the king said, okay, because legally he couldn't just take it over. So this is what Jezebel tells her husband. She says, but you are the king over Israel? Really? Now you can tell who's wearing the pants in the family here, right? <laughs> Really? Get out of bed and eat something and you will feel better. I will get Naboth's vineyard for you. Then Jezebel wrote some letters. She signed Ahab's name to them and used his seal to seal the letters. Then she sent them to the elders and important men who lived in the same town as Naboth. This is what the letter said. This is in the Bible. Announce that there will be a day of fasting when the people will eat nothing. Then call all the people of the town together for a meeting. And at the meeting, we'll talk, well, we will talk about Naboth. Find some men who will tell lies about him. 
And then they should say that they heard Naboth speak against the king and against God. And then take Naboth out of the city and kill him with stones. Wow. Guess what happened? That's what happened. They, they found some people who had falsely accused him. He did absolutely nothing wrong. And guess who got the property? King has, Ahaz, and Jezebel. By the way, you know what's very powerful? Here's a little teaching moment about going back to the ancient times. Uh, if you were going to stone someone, traditionally we have this image in our head that we would take, you know, pick up a stone and they would throw stones at people. But actually they would stone people, they would stand on a platform and they would drop heavy stones on them, crush their chest or their head. This is what they would do. And by the way, so if you were going to indict and you were going to uh, testify against someone, guess who threw the first stone? The person who was the witness. So that meant if, can you imagine the guilt if you were falsely accusing someone, you're the first one who was a part of the process of killing that person. Wow. Pretty powerful, isn't it? Okay, so we have the Ray Hinton story. Then we have this Old Testament story that goes back to 350 BC. Okay, and then we have, oh, wait a minute, let's go forward about 1,500 more years and let's find the story of Jesus. Did you know the same thing applies to Jesus? It's in the Bible. Matter of fact, let me just read it to you for just a second. So the leading priests in the high council tried to find something against Jesus so that they could kill him. So they tried to find people to lie and say that Jesus had done something wrong. Many people came and told lies about Jesus. But the council could, could find no real reason to kill him. Oh, but then they found two people came and said, this man said, I can destroy the temple of God and build it again in three days. Incriminating evidence against Jesus. Of course, Jesus wasn't talking about destroying the temple in the literal sense. He was talking about his body and the resurrection, his death and resurrection. They just misunderstood it and they took it out of context and they killed him. Wow. So we have this whole layer to the story about uh, do not uh, have false testimony against people. And then you know the straight thing about this this week. So we have that layer. But then also, do you realize how um, sometimes our words can really get ourselves in trouble? Can I amen on that, right? So like, let me just throw this out. Gossiping. It's in the Bible. Matter of fact, James really cautions us about how we use the word. This is what James said. He says, the tongue is like fire. It is a world of evil among the parts of our body. It spreads its evil through our whole body and starts a fire that influences all of life. It gets this fire from hell. Ooh. Humans have control over every kind of wild animal, bird, reptile, fish. They have control of all these things. But no one can control their tongue. It is wild and evil, full of deadly poison. We use our tongues to praise our Lord and Father, but then we curse people who created in God's likeness. These praises and curses come from the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, this should not happen. James, who's James talking to? The Christian church. Oh, even the Christians are throwing each other the bus. Gossiping. Wow. 
Uh, you know, it's interesting, true story. I don't know if you ever lived in a small town, but you know, when you live in a small town, do you realize that everybody wants to know everybody's missus? This is before social media, right? I, true story, I had a person in one of my churches, and bless her heart, I'll call her Jane, uh, and Jane would listen. She had a police band, and she listened to everything that was going on in our community. And she would call me when someone would die. She would call me before even the next of kin was notified. And she'd say, Pastor Harold. I'd say, yes, Jane. She says, so-and-so just died like three minutes ago. You're going to get a call from Robert's funeral home. Wow. See, sometimes gossip spreading, it's not really very healthy. And even Jesus cautions us about how we use our tongues and how we ultimately use our words. I, you know what's interesting in my life, and I, we all can relate this, is that sometimes in our lives we have talked about other people. And I'm going to tell you, we're all guilty of this at some point in our lives. And we said things that maybe we shouldn't have said. From time to time, I'll say something about something or someone. And my wife will say, Harold, do not talk about that in public. And I'll say, and then she'll say, Harold, if you say that, this is her line, you're heaping hot coals on your head. In other words, if you say anything like that, you're just digging yourself deeper and deeper in a hole. And I actually, I listen to my wife, right? <laughs> I mean, sometimes our lives, we just say things about maybe other people, maybe intentionally, maybe we don't intendly, intend to hurt somebody, but sometimes we just, we, we just can't help ourselves. Uh, you know, it, I, and I, I sometimes I can't help myself. I do this all the, all the time. Sometimes I say, and I, I talk too much. Anybody else have that problem? Sometimes you just talk too much. It just kind of just comes out. You don't mean to say it, but it just comes out of your mouth. It just, just and, and I got that. Uh, the reason why I got that, I've inherited it. I inherited it from, and my mother's here today. Uh, I, I, her mother-in-law, Hattie Lee Hendren. Hattie Lee, bless her heart, I, I love my grandmother, but she had no filter, zero. Whatever she just thought, it just came out. And of course, whatever she said, she didn't even maybe attend to hurt anybody, but there was always some kind of carnage that somebody would have to pick up because offending people was just her spiritual gift. She was really good at it. And my mother can testify to that. God rest her soul. I loved Hattie Lee. She was my grandmother. But sometimes she would just say things that she just offend people. We understand that. Uh, so then I started to think about the, the idea of, you know, bearing false witness. Sometimes we talk about other people. Sometimes we say things we just really don't seem appropriate. And then I, I love this, this text from Leviticus, this Old Testament. It is, it's kind of all-encompassing about just telling the truth. Um, you must not steal. You must not cheat people. You must not lie to each other. You must not use my name to make false promises. If you do that, you will show that you don't respect the name of your God. I am the Lord. 
all capital letters, L-O-R-D, which means Yahweh, as I, we learned in the first of my sermon series. Lord means, you know, Yahweh, Yahweh Elohim, the Lord is the sustainer um, of all life. He's the one who gave us life. So if you do these things, um, you're going against the intention of God. And so, you know, what's interesting, and even our society, um, I started to think about, once again, in my sermon preparation, about this whole thing about lying and talking about other people. I, even in politics, do you realize that even in politics, if we're, you know, in the elections, you, you watch all these, you, we just get bombarded with all these commercials, and then it's so powerful because, you know, you got one candidate and you got another candidate and they're all just throwing each other the bus and you're thinking you're, and they're throwing all this information at you and you, you start scratching your head. What am I supposed to believe, right? Well, we, we, every four years, we just get all this. Matter of fact, I was watching news last night, watching um, uh, the governor of New York, Dr. I mean, uh, Governor Cuomo. Uh, evidently, there's allocations about him. It was on the national news, right? And so the question is, as I was watching this unfold, somebody is not telling the truth. <laughs> and there are truths, and there are consequences. And you may ask yourself, here's another thought about this topic today. Is you may say, well, Harold, you know, um, are we always supposed to tell the truth? Oh, wow, well, there's a good one. Are we always supposed to tell the truth? Like, for example, I mean, you know, you make, you know uh, maybe we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, right? It's like, for example, um, one day when Don and I were first got married, um, Eunice at our church in Miami, said, Pat, she says, Pastor Harold, I'd love to have you and Donna over for dinner. So she had a beautiful house in Coral Gables, old, old house. And, and so Eunice invited us over and she, you know, she had a dog and a cat. And, um, and so we, she fixed this lunch. And, um, I, you know, I don't remember exactly what it was. I just know it didn't taste real good. And I, you know, every time she would go out, I would feed the dog. And, um, and, so, <laughs> and, and so the dog, you know, the dog was living large. And so, and of course she asked me after like two and a half hour lunch, I was ready to get out of there. Um, you know, how, I hope you, you know, I hope you enjoyed your lunch, Pastor Earl. And I just smiled at you. It was just lovely, right? <laughs> Me and your dog really loved it. And, and so, you know, <laughs> and so is it always appropriate to tell the truth? Well, not always, right? I mean, we don't want to hurt people's feelings. Here's another one, and a little bit more serious note about truth-telling. There was a guy named Oscar Schindler. Oh, Oscar. By the way, Oscar Schindler, here's a picture of his tomb. And this is, you know, you know where they buried Oscar Schindler? Of all places, Jerusalem. Wow. He's buried in Jerusalem. The reason why he's buried in Jerusalem is because the Jewish people wanted to pay tribute to him. Because he was a German guy in the middle well, most of all saw Schindler's list. He saved 1,200 Jewish people's lives. And he lied to the Nazis every day. Mm. So that's a pretty good example of not always telling the truth. And then um, this whole idea about 
telling the truth. I also started thinking about um, the idea of, you know what, sometimes, and Jesus is really good. I mean, you get his greatest teachings from the Sermon on the Mount, and he talks about our actions and about being hypocritical because sometimes the things that we do and the way that we act in life can be actually a false testimony of who we are. Uh, the word hypocritical is like a st- has to do with a performance. It's like you're two-faced, hypocritical. So Jesus gives us a word of caution. He says, hey, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have to, well, you will have no reward from your heavenly father. Be careful about being hypocritical. And, and you know what? It's also, Jesus is really clear about, he says, listen, don't, don't buy into the lie. Because you know what Jesus said? He said that the devil is the author of all lies. Oh. So here's another interesting perspective of this, all these layers to this, to the ninth command. You didn't realize there's all this in the ninth command. There's a lot in the ninth command. But here's another thought about, not only being about hypocritical and about lying, but there is a point in our lives that maybe the devil, I mean, let me tell you something, the devil's always messing with me. Can I amen on that? Because he's messing with you too. Okay, so here's the interesting thing about the devil. Sometimes the devil can work on your psyche. And sometimes the devil can tell you that you're not going to amount to much. You're never going to be much of any count. And sometimes we, and mentally we can just go and chase what I call the rabbit down the hole. And Jesus says, don't buy into the lie. Because the devil is the author of all lies. And he says, by the way, you are precious and you're one of my children. And I will always love you. And that's the truth. Okay, so let me wrap this up today. I know you're all saying, land the plane, Harold, land the plane. Okay, you ready? Are y'all still with me? Everybody still with me? Okay, so are y'all still with me? Okay, so... Here, I've, I've, got, I've got to tell you this great story. I got my pillow up here. And, and this is, uh, I, I just, I love this story. So this is a story of, of St. Philip of Neri. Uh, it was an Italian saint. He was a priest back in the 16th century. And so once upon a time, the lady came to Philip and, and, uh, for confession. And she said, and the confession was that she had been gossiping. Um, she had been uh, spreading false rumors. Um, she'd been lying about other people. And so she was begging for forgiveness because she went to the priest for, to, for, uh, for confession and he, she wanted to be resolved of all her sins of lying about other people. So Philip in his infinite wisdom said, okay, well, uh, I've got a penance for you. This is what I want you to do. He says, I want you to take your pillow. And um, he says, I want you to take your feather, feather f- pillow and take it up to the top of the bell tower of the church. And then he says, then I want you to take it and then I want you to open up your pillow. And he says, and when you get up there, and this is what she had to do, take the feathers out of top of the bell tower and drop them. And so she did that. She went up to the top and she started pulling all the feathers out of the, her pillow. And of course, you know, she's up there and the wind just took them all over the place. They just went all over the town, everywhere. So when she was done, she felt pretty good about herself because she did exactly what the priest asked her to do. So she goes back to Philip and says, uh, Father, I, you know, I've sinned. Um, please forgive me. Can I now be forgiven? And you did exa- I did exactly what you asked me to do. 
And then Philip in his infinite wisdom said to her, well, I got one more thing I want you to do. Go collect all the feathers. <laughs> oh, man, isn't that great? And what's the point? There's no way you could ever possibly collect all the feathers. They're everywhere, right? And so he was trying to get her to think about what she had done. And all the rumors and all the lies and all those people she had impacted. Wow. You know what we call that today? We call that going viral. Truth or consequences. So here's the truth. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And so Jesus died. Here's the truth. Jesus died upon a cross. And he took all of our consequences, all our sin, and it was all heaped up on the cross. And he took all that. Now, why would he do that? It's because he loves us. He's willing to forgive us. He's willing to offer us grace. And maybe, just maybe, Jesus did that because he doesn't want us chasing feathers the rest of our lives. Lord, thank you so much for your love, your grace, and for your um, amazing love for forgiveness and taking our consequences, all our sin, and, and upon your life, heaped upon a cross. Oh God, we don't deserve it, but you continue to love us anyway. So forgive us, Lord, when we have said things against other people, when we have spread rumors, when we've gossiped, when we've bore false witnesses against other one. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us. Forgive us, Lord. And let us continue to live into you, for indeed you are the way and the truth and life. And we give you thanks and we praise you and we claim that today for ourselves. Lord, help us live a life worthy of your love. In Jesus Christ, we pray and all God's children said. Amen.